ओम ओम सहनावत सहनौपुनक्तु सह वीर करवाह तेजस्वीनावती तमस्तमाशावह ओ शांति 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 So we're on uh, chapter four, code of living. Yeah, guys, have we got the book? Four pages. Fifty-seven. Four, five, three. Four, five, three. Ready? So, material wealth, physical contact with sense objects, will never bring you permanent happiness. This is what the these scriptures are saying. Material wealth, physical contact with sense objects will never bring you permanent happiness. I think the key word there is permanent. It's all temporary happiness. How can you get true per- true happiness? How can you get permanent happiness then? We get permanent happiness. Happy within yourself rather than materialistic. Looking within. More specific. Change the focus to the self. Change the focus to the self. Only by planting your mind and intellect in the self can you gain true happiness. Only through knowledge and understanding can you be content with life. All depends on your mind. As the mind, so the world. So, what kind of mind do you have? The whole exercise is to purify your mind. This is what we're doing. So, this is life. You are the architect of your fortune and your misfortune. You are responsible for your happiness, and you're responsible for your misery. Can't blame anyone else. As soon as we understand that statement, we can move forward in life. Any issues? The problem is with you. Nobody else. Not your partner. Not your kids. Problems with you. You need to see the world for what it is, and then relate to it properly. This is what we covered in the last. Couple of classes. So the whole exercise, as Deepak said, is internal, not external. Got to purify the mind and change your outlook in life. This is what the scriptures help you do. All these great sages, swamis, texts like the Gita, Upanishads, they're all there to help you purify your mind. So you, so you can look within. So what does it purify? When we say purify our mind, what does it? What does it? What does it? What do we mean? What is in the mind that we need to purify? Desires. Your desires. It purifies your desires. It helps you evolve from selfishness to unselfishness. Let's just see the world for what it is. Is that clear? 
practicing it. But this is what we're learning, how to practice it. No? This is why we're here. It doesn't, come much, it doesn't come to us naturally. This is why we need to learn. Just like throw you in a pool of water, swimming doesn't come naturally, you have to learn how to swim. Anything in life you have to learn. So this is the same, we have to learn how to become unselfish. Why do we need to become unselfish? How does it help us? But we're not going to do anything unless it helps us, yeah? In that sense, we're all selfish, <laughs> you know, unless there's a benefit. But in this way, the benefit is in a different direction. This is what we're talking about. So, just to illustrate, my handwriting's not very good, but can anyone, re everyone read that? We're talking about purification here. So, God, I forgot your name, your sister's name? Mina. Um, you know, we say that we as a human being is made up of the body, the physical body, your mind which has emotions, and your intellect which has thoughts, the thinking capacity, reasoning, that's your intellect. But what enlivens that, what makes it function is the spirit within you, we call Atman. So we use the word Atman, Brahman, Self, which is what we're talking about, God, that's what's within you. So the whole exercise of going internal is to relate to and identify with the self within, the God principle, and that's what spirituality is. So what we're saying here, you are God basically. So God plus your desires is a human being. So you are now God plus desires. That makes you a human being. All your life, all you're doing is fulfilling your desires whatever that may be. So God plus desires equals human. Human minus desires equals God. Yeah, it's a straightforward principle there. So temples, church, mosque, idols, rituals, mara, spiritual books, these are all tools to remove the ignorance, which is your desires. So all those things, that's what they're, they're there to aid you. No one tells you this. We just do it blindly. But I just wanted to highlight that. This isn't in the book, by the way. I'm just covering just to give you some thought. If it does not, anything you practice, if it does not help you remove your ignorance, purify your mind of desires, then it's not fulfilling its purpose. Doesn't matter what you do. Through? Make sense? Mina, does that make sense? So whatever spiritual, anything spiritual that you do, the, the function of it should be to remove your ignorance. Ignorance, which is in form of desires, because only then you can reach that state of being able to look within. No? Make sense? And this is all we're learning. So in the previous chapter, it talked about the world and it talked about us, the human being. It educated us on how to contact the world so that we can gain peace and happiness. 
This is what we studied in a previous chapter, which was life and its course. This now chapter, this code of living, this chapter discusses the purpose of religion and also the problem with religion at the moment. So we discuss in detail what's going on in the world as far as religion is concerned. Hence this introduction to give you an idea of the purpose of religions. So the first, any questions on that before we move on? Most everyone clear on that? Okay. So the first paragraph is scope of spiritual education. And it reads, spirituality has been corrupted in the world due to the wrong approach by religious teachers. They have filled people's minds with unreasonable religious beliefs. Instead of spiritual education, education allowing one to develop the intellect. Religious teachers show superiority over others by memorizing old Sanskrit texts and they push the non-essentials of religion to the masses instead of the philosophy. The genuine seekers are wasting their time with these non-essentials passed as religious. They blindly accept the biased teachings of these religious gurus. Hence superstitious symbols and rituals have become the root of most religions. What's that saying? This is what's happening in the world, right? We're only saying what's going on. What does that mean? What's happening? People who haven't fully understood it are now teaching it. Yeah, perfect. Couldn't said it better. People are teaching it who don't actually understand it themselves. The true purpose. Today's spiritual leaders, they, instead of going into the knowledge, they talk about the non-essential of religion. They push the non-essential of religion because they don't understand the philosophy. Do's and don'ts. Don't do this, do that. Don't do it like that, do it like this. Why? Just do it. Don't ask why. This is the norm. Why? Because they don't know themselves. You must do it this way, not like that. And someone else will come and say, not like that, you must do it this way. Because no one has a clear understanding. People don't understand the true purpose of religion. So some people get impressed by someone who chants the old religious text in Sanskrit. Oh, this person must know a lot. You learn it, you can, you can chant it. Does that give you understanding? We're just evaluating what's going on. So instead of educating the people the facts, telling them the truths of life, they are, we are forced to believe certain concepts which may not be correct. Rituals which the religious leaders themselves don't understand the meaning of because they were taught these things by someone else who didn't understand. It's just passed down without knowing why you're doing it. It's like the blind leading the blind. But the followers are genuine. This is 
This is a fact. The people who follow are all genuine. The seekers are genuine. They blindly accept whatever is told to them by these religious leaders. Leaders. They're not even allowed to question them. Without questioning, it doesn't develop you. Should we? Would we agree that this is got, this is happening? Hmm? So how should we really be educated spiritually? This is the next paragraph. True spiritual education should allow one to learn the truths of life and practice, experiment with this truth. One should take these truths and experiment in their life. One should practice their own independent reflection and then make it part of them. Like, just like chemistry, you, you do a, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, experiment. experiment, you get the results. Similarly, even with spiritual education, you should take a concept, reflect on it, think about it, and then apply it in your life. This is how one develops spiritually. Instead of mechanical reading of old texts, blind dependence on authorities, this is what's going on. Religious gurus have spent their time interpreting the old texts, adding their own bias and commentary. These are blindly followed by all. Without their own reasoning, reasoning and reflection, it is difficult to understand the scriptures. Hence, this knowledge of Vedanta has been destroyed by the wrong approach of these teachers. So the knowledge is the same, but down the line people have commented on it and people then follow that commentary, which is someone else's opinion. So you're losing the actual essence. We don't read it ourselves, reflect on it, and then think about it. It's easier just to follow someone. Even here, whatever we talk about, you need to read it and say, yes, this makes sense, or no, it doesn't make sense. Then you're exercising your own thinking, your own intellect. So it's destroying religion. It's true spirituality. It's destroying true spirituality. So they don't understand the text. They haven't studied them. They just follow the commentary that someone had written, which is more complicated than the original texts. And they blindly follow it. No reason, no logic. And they're teaching others to do the same with authority. Isn't this what's going on? an evaluation of what's going on in religions today. You don't have to agree with it. You think about it. Any questions? Siko is genuine. They want to know. But unfortunately they get uh, confused of what's right and what's wrong. Someone wears an ochre robe, you automatically think this person's spiritual. Whatever he says, I must listen to. That's wrong. 
they not seekers as well though? At one time they may have been, yes. But they may have lost their way as well by the same blind belief from another person. Who's actually thought about it, reflected on the knowledge and absorbed it and understood it? This is the question here. And this is what a person needs to do. Only then that person can then change. If you don't make it yours, it's not going to change you. You have to stand by your principles, what you understand. If you don't understand it, then don't follow it. This is what they're saying. All our parents and everybody, they've been taught to listen and then accept it. And then if they don't follow it, there'll be consequences. But this is the, ro the wrong it's approach, isn't it? It is, but that's what they've been taught and that's what they teach us. So. This is where we need to break that uh, mould now. With this understanding. Because it doesn't help you grow, develop spiritually. Yeah. The thing is, you're a true seeker and you think you're being spiritual when you're not. Because unless it's making you look within, become one selfish, reduce your desires, if it's doing that, then by all means. But if it's not, then it's not being spiritual. This is the point we're making. So that's why I said any of these things, any of these um, tools are all tools to reduce your desires and help you look within. So whatever you've been taught, if it's not doing that, then it's not fulfilling its purpose. This is the point we're making. So you have to stand and say, okay, what this person is saying, is it helping me? How is it helping me? Is it helping me develop? Question. Question it. And if they can't give you a proper answer, then you don't have to follow it. It has to make sense to you. The Supreme Truth is timeless, eternal. It is the same in the past, present, and it will be the same in the future. It needs no authority to endorse it. A teacher only needs to impart the knowledge in the Sanskrit texts, nothing else. Anyone can obtain this knowledge. One only needs to use the intellect to reflect on it until one understands it. One should test this knowledge in everyday living. The truth stands on its own. You may say, I read, I've got the Bhagavad Gita, I can't understand it. Find a book that explains it in the way you do understand it. You're coming to the class, we're explaining. We're going to be doing the Bhagavad Gita in the future. But all this knowledge is a derivative of this Bhagavad Gita and Upanishads. The concepts are very similar. So you then go and find someone who can teach you. This is what it's saying. The teacher should only be able to explain you what that verse means. And then you need to reflect on it. Keep it simple. Not his idea of what it should mean. Krishna's there to do that. Just not explain who understands it. then you reflect on it, you think about it, you apply it in your life and see if it, if, 
if Krishna is saying what is, is it working what Krishna is saying then you are growing spiritually you're developing See, it's a lot simpler isn't it <laughs> this is what he's saying people are complicating it so let's simplify it anyone can obtain this knowledge just need that clarity. Okay, what do I need to do? So it's not just blindly following. You need to understand the truth yourself. Test it in your life. When, it, when you see it working in your life, you become established in that truth. You are now living a spiritual life. You've imbibed that idea, and you've made it yours, and now you're living it. Now you're developing spiritually. So what's the problem? What, 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 what stops us from doing this? There is also that initial fight, or as I said, the fear factor. Fear factor. Why can't we do it on our own? What's the impediment? What stops us? Ourself. Ourself. Little self. With a little s, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> can you expand on that? Don't have the knowledge. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? That's stopping you? Okay. So here's the knowledge. What's stopping you now? Understanding. Understanding. Okay. We're all pretty resistant to change. As big a change as this, yeah. which is like, you know, the way you think on the 24 yeah, 24 7, as opposed to, you know, I'm going to get up and do some stretches. Mm -hmm. That'll you need to do for that but this stuff is for every single day. Every day. I think that we're so used to looking outwardly, we're not used to looking inwardly. Okay. And the more we look inwardly, sometimes the more agitated we become. Mm -hmm. So we, well, I'll tell you what, it is, uh, what I think it is. We think we can't do it because it's confusing, this subject. The word spirituality, religious, has so many different meanings that we can't get our head around it. And think, you know what, it's easier for me just to go and listen to somebody rather than trying to do it myself. Isn't that true? To a certain extent, this is what's going on. We don't think we can do it. We don't, we're not capable of doing it. We don't have the intellect to be able to do it. It's saying we need to apply our own intellect and take in the truths from someone who understands it. That person has taken it from someone else. 
who's now telling you there's no difference between them and you. Apply our own intellect, taking the truths from someone who understands it, that's all. Don't have to change your religion, join a different group, just learn the truths, apply them in your life. Which is what we're doing in this classroom. We're taking in these practical concepts and trying to apply them in our lives. Keep it simple. Example, learn to become selfish. We say learn to become selfish. How do we become unselfish? So this is one concept that leads you to develop spiritually. How do we become unselfish? How do you develop from selfish to unselfish? Simple. How do we do it? In the Open the door for them, just let them go first. Uh, if you're in traffic, let somebody else pass. After you? Yeah. So the thought is, after, after you. Mm. What else? This is one concept. What can I do for you as opposed to... What can I get from you? Yeah. Think of others. Change your aspect from what can I get from you, then what can I do for you? Changing your mindset. Simple principle, isn't it? Okay, why would you become unselfish? What will drive you to become unselfish? So you understand the principle, now you have to understand the benefit. Only otherwise you, you, you won't do it unless there's a benefit to it. It's not point me just saying become unselfish. Why would you want to become unselfish? Makes you feel better. What else? It helps you reduce your desires. And why do you want to reduce your desires? To get to God. Get to, to become spiritual. So therefore, we've just taken one concept, understood how to do it, why we should do it. So what's left is application. It wasn't difficult, was it? <laughs> But this, but, but, but this is the point I'm trying to make. We've just now, by practicing this, become, we become spiritual. Was it that, it was not that, that difficult to understand, was it? You understand, unselfishness brings me more peace and happiness. Which is what everyone's looking for, peace and happiness. You try it. You try being unselfish then you find that you are more happy and peaceful. Then you start practicing it regularly. You've now taken a concept, understood it, the benefit of it, you've practiced it, you've seen the result, you're now becoming spiritual. You don't need any religious person in a, to tell you that. desires. You're not thinking of your own desires, you're thinking of how you can help others. When you're helping others, you're not thinking of your own desires. When you're not thinking of your own desires, you're not accumulating more desires. This is the idea. You understand 
that if I think of the self within rather than the body, mind, intellect, this is another concept. If I think of the self within rather than my body, mind and my intellect, then I will be less affected. Yes, this is what we're saying. Anything, per, uh, bo uh, if you think of the physical body, you're affected. I'm overweight, I'm underweight, this not right, I want to do a nose job, whatever. You're affected, yeah? You think of the emotions, you're affected. Why am I think? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling like that? You think of your intellect, you're affected, yeah? So they say, think of the self and you will not be affected. This is another concept. You'll be less affected. So this is, you try this, you try it in your life. Think of the self, don't think of the body, mind, intellect. No, I'm not saying it's easy to do, yeah? But the motivation's there that you won't be affected, you won't be agitated. See, this is another concept, you try it. This is spiritual development. You experiment with it in your life and see if it works. If it works, you make it part of your life. If it doesn't, you leave it for a while until you are more developed and then you try it again. These are concepts which makes, develops you spiritually. It's not that difficult, is it, to understand? Did everyone understand that concept I just briefly mentioned? Think of the self, not the body, mind, intellect. If you think of the self, you're not affected. Yeah? Does everyone understand that concept? You may not be able to practice it, but you can at least you understand it. <laughs> huh? It's difficult to do. I'm not this body, I'm not this mind, I'm not the intellect. I am the self. The God principle, Atman. Write it on your <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> If you're right-handed, tattoo on the right hand. The self is the subtlest thing, isn't it? Yeah. If we're thinking about what is gross, this world is gross, my body is gross, my intellect it relatively is gross, and so is my mind. So if we're thinking of all gross aspects, thinking of the most subtlest thing... It's not easy, I'm not saying... I'm just saying that this is another concept that we're putting forward, which helps to become spiritual. And the reason I'm talking about this concept very briefly, by the way, okay, um, is to show you that the, what that spiritual development and understanding spirituality is not that difficult. You don't have to go for rituals. You don't have to go to temple. You don't have to do all these things. Follow someone. You know, it's quite straightforward. This is the point I'm trying to make. It's not difficult. So don't those things enable you? Those to, are tools, yes. To help you think of the self and not the body, mind, and intellect. Yes, this is what we said. These are all the tools. Whichever tool that helps you, you you abide that on that tool. So it not only removes ignorance, but it enables you to yeah. think of the self. Yeah. Think of the higher, yes, the God principle, in whichever aspects, depending on where you go, and what you what you do. But they're all thinking of the higher. If it's not, then it's not fulfilling its purpose. This is what we're saying. Everything is using those tools to think, yeah. not just to Okay, so you want to think of the self. If any of those tools help you to do that, then you take it on. If you just understood what, I, what we just said, and that's all you need, then you don't need anything. 
This is the point we're making. That it's not that difficult. Any questions? It's a process, yeah. We're just uh, evaluating it. We're just trying to understand it. <coughs> Vedanta contains the supreme knowledge of life. One should be steady and determined and obtain this knowledge. You should use whatever level of intellect you have right now and then move slowly on this path. Gain a little knowledge which slowly eradicates a little ignorance. This process will take one to the ultimate truth. So they know we're limited, it's difficult for us. But it says, don't worry. As an example. This is why we think it's complicated. A person thinks, how can my little intellect understand something like the self? Which is what you just mentioned, correct? The world is gross, we're gross, how can we think of the self? It tells you, so you, you, the question you asked, the answer is now coming. How can my little intellect understand something like the self? I just about understand the basics. It's impossible for me to get there. That's what everyone probably thinking, correct? So it gives you an example. You want to go to Scotland, yeah? And it's night time. How do you get to Scotland, really? You want to go by car and it's night time. You join the M1. Scotland is what, 300 miles? 400 miles, okay. Over 600, Can you see Scotland? Can you see Scotland? from the beginning of the M1? You can't. What can you see? Your headlights, which what, 30 meters ahead? Maybe 40 meters, put your beams on. That's all that's illumined, correct? So what we're saying is 400 miles and you can only see 30 meters ahead. But you have faith, you do it, don't you? Even though you can only see 30 meters, 40 meters ahead of you, you get to Scotland, don't you? The whole distance is lit by your headlights. You don't see the darkness, you see the road. And eventually you get there. Exactly what happens when you go on a spiritual path. You take in a little knowledge, you reflect, with whatever intellect you have, removes a little ignorance, you apply it in your life, take in a little more, apply it, goes on and on until you go to the whole distance is covered. You, you think I know so little, but this is how it works. No need to worry about it. Just be sincere, dedicated, put in the effort, and you'll be surprised you'll eventually get to your goal. Just like you have faith that Going up the M1, it will take me to Scotland, even though I can only see 30 meters ahead. This is how this knowledge works.
the simplif making it so easy for everyone. You don't have to be a scholar. Does everyone understand that um, example? Emma? It's a very long journey. <laughs> it's more than okay. six hours. <laughs> Let me ask That's you, you say it's a long journey. You decide to go to Scotland, it's a long journey, isn't it? Yeah. The faster you go, the quicker you get there. <laughs> huh? You got 10 miles an hour? <laughs> Take a few days to get there. Take a flight, you'll be there within an hour. <laughs> Same thing, you put in the effort. The more effort you put in, the quicker you get there. It's up to you. You press the accelerator fast, you get there quicker. You put in there more effort, you get there quicker. You can't get out of it. They have an answer for everything here. <laughs> it should, that should give us some comfort and understanding that, you know, I can do it as well. I have the ability. I just you have the ability to do it. Make sense? Okay. One needs to live the truths of life, learned by practicing, practicing it, applying it in your life. It may be difficult in the beginning. There may be impediments. But with perseverance, one will find the path easier and enjoyable. The stronger one's intellect, the easier it is to overcome these impediments. See, the impediments come from the mind. Ah, oh, you know what, this morning I can't be bothered studying. Ah, oh, it's cold. It's dark. These are the impediments. So you need the intellect to say, no, I need to do it. I need to get to my goal. That's the mind saying, I want to stay in bed. Intellect, that's why you need an intellect to say, get out, let's study. So when you said, so at the beginning of that sentence, you said the, something about the truths of life. Mm -hmm. what, what, what was the beginning? One needs to live the truths of life. Okay, so what are the truths of life? This is what we're talking about in the class, truths of life. Live the truths of life. These concepts, you need to live these truths in your life by practicing it, applying it. This is the same thing we've already said before. So, um, but the angle from this, so we've already said you need to learn and live the truths of life. From what this, from this perspective, it's saying that we have to do this, but it may be difficult in the beginning when we're doing this, when we're when we're putting these concepts into um, practice. There may be difficulties. There may be impediments, but we need to persevere. That's what it's saying. And if you persevere, it becomes easier. And initially, it's like going to the gym. When you first start, it's difficult. But once you get into the routine, you've been a few weeks regularly, it becomes easy and it becomes enjoyable, doesn't it? You enjoy it. Same thing here. When you start studying, applying these concepts in your life, initially it's difficult. But once you start doing it regularly, it becomes easier. So they give, they're telling, giving you confidence. Don't worry. I know it's difficult, but 
it will become easier and you will enjoy it. Just put in that effort. That's what it's saying. And when you see how enjoyable it is, you're going to put in more effort. That's what it is. You need to put in time and effort to learn and practice. You don't have to do it 12 hours a day. Hour, hour and a half every morning, you'll be shocked with how it changes your life. Only you can try. Start becoming more happy, more content in life. You develop as a human being, spiritually more developed. That doesn't mean you're doing more maras, you're doing more pujas, that doesn't mean that. Internally you feel more happy and content with life, with yourself, with everything around you, whatever it is. If you do more maras, you spend more time not thinking about yourself. <laughs> but where's yeah, your? But it's, it's a tool. Isn't it? If you can't do any other way, that's a tool. But but as long as you're not thinking of anything else. Yeah. So you're saying you're, 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 you may not be thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of your neighbor, or you're thinking of something you've got to do later, or whatever, because the mind is like that. You say it's a monkey mind. So the only thing that can control it is the intellect. So it's fine to do the matter. You're not thinking of yourself, you're correct. But what are you achieving from it in the long run? This is the, this is the thing. Initially, that may be fine, but you need to move on to higher things. All these tools have a place and a time. You will out when you outgrow that, you need to move on to more deeper. So don't the three yogas help then? So we're talking about if you're doing Mara, it's Bhakti Yoga, mm -hmm. right? So even if, for example, you're Karma Yogic, you're, you, you relatively are doing service for others rather than yourself because you're giving time and energy and effort. But again, the combination of the tools, isn't it? Yeah. So are you saying that actually it's only knowledge that will help us to progress and not the other two? Not necessarily. It depends on your makeup. We'll be going, the next chapter we'll be discussing that. Depending on your makeup, you may need to do some bhakti devotion some karma, helping others, and getting knowledge. It's a, it's a combination. But here we're talking about knowledge at the moment. This is the, this is the point we're trying to make at the moment. That um, all these tools, even Mara is great to do, but after a while, you need to move to something else like karma, bhakti, jnana, in order to develop more. Whatever makes it allows you to develop. Yeah, no, these are all tools. They're fine. I mean, you know, we all grew up doing mara, all in our family. You know, if I hadn't done it, maybe I hadn't reached here today. 
you know, so, but they're all stepping stones. This is what we're saying. Don't be stuck with one thing. Keep moving forward. So don't just do five miles, do ten. Sorry. Yeah, you can do that. Because what you're then practicing is not your mind going wandering everywhere. Because the more you practice, the stronger your intellect will be. The See, if, concentration we can, will be. if we can do ten miles and have the mind not go anywhere, you're doing well. Yeah. If you can do that for 10 miles, you, you, you've got a strong intellect. Well, you're developing it that way to stop your mind going everywhere. Yeah. You don't. I'm not sure. There's nothing wrong with it. We're not condemning you. you know, no, these no, are all tools. That's one way to build up your mind wandering everywhere. Yeah. If you concentrate and say, no, I'm not going to let my mind wander and you do like say five, and you develop it and develop it, and then you can go on to ten and say, okay, I'm not, it's worked, so I'm going to do more, spend more time, making my intellect stronger. That's one thing. You I know, it's one thing, but... You concentrate on getting to ten. Yeah, but that's then you can apply it to other things. Because you develop that's only that if you strength. Do it. Hmm? That's only if you do it. It's quite easy to just get, get focused on just doing the one and just do it, or get into the next one, get into the next one, get into the next one. The rest of your life, you're just like, whatever. You're not moving, developing forward. You have to keep no. striving to develop. This is the point we're trying to make. What I'm saying is that you can use that as a stepping stone. So practice. Absolutely. Because then you've developed that ability. See, see, what you're saying is absolutely right. You're going with the right attitude. I'm doing the Mara because um, I need to concentrate on it. My mind shouldn't wonder. Yeah. yeah? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. But 99% of the people who do it don't do it that with that attitude. See, you're going in with thinking. You put thought to it. I'm going to do this for this reason. Yeah, because it helps me concentrate my mind. Perfect. But what we're saying is most people do it mechanically. And this is the, this is the point we're trying to make here. So you're using it as a tool to develop. Once you develop, you move on to another tool. And you may still do that as a practice, but you use, you understand I'm using this as a tool to develop. Completely different what you're saying. The proper way to spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment is to gain the right type of spiritual knowledge, which should not be influenced by any religious bias. Once you take in truth as it is exposed, the truth will take one closer to the self. You can't afford to have any religious bias. This is what it's saying. Take the truth on its own. You don't have to be a Christian or Buddhist or Hindu. Truth is the truth. You don't need to distort it with a religious bias. You may, you may want to because it helps you because depending on where you are in your life and your understanding. So you may find that a belief system helps you because you need that tool. But you don't need it, this is what it's saying. You don't need any religious bias. In fact, sometimes it actually makes it more difficult to understand the simple, the, the simple principle that they're trying to convey because of that religious bias. 
don't do it like this, do it like that. You have to do it. And it's covered, the one principle is covered by so many different things that you forget what the, where you're doing it. But this is the religious bias we're talking about. Example, reincarnation. Some groups believe in it, some may not. Study the facts. If it makes sense, then follow it. If it doesn't, then leave it. Now you're exercising your intellect, thinking of these things. You follow the truths as it makes sense to you. Only you can develop yourself, no one else. Just like in the gym, the instructor can tell you how to use the equipment so you can get fit, but you have to put in the effort. He can't get fit for you. You have to put in the effort. This is the same thing. Any questions? So these, you have to go so depth. This is only like, what we've we done? Five paragraphs, I think. There's so much depth into this. Uh, and when you read it on your own, you, you may, you'll get another, another angle to it that uh, only you will get. I can only cover the basics. Because you have to reflect on it. It's a lot to take in. See, it turns all your belief systems upside down. This is the, this is, and it just puts you in shock. Why, what's this saying to me? I've been doing all these things and it's saying to me that I'm doing wrong. Well, I'm not doing it right. And to take that in is not easy. But the fact that you're even able to uh, think about it, you're exercising your intellect now. You're not blindly believing in it. The funny thing is, um, you know, in the ashram, yeah, um, they own, they they have a rule to take on only between eighteen to thirty year olds, and this is exactly the reason what Ravi just said, because there's so many misconceptions that people have that it takes them three years to eradicate those before they even learn something fresh, to get all those ideas that you've taken on, not your fault. But it takes so long to remove those ideas while the younger generation they are still they have not been absorbed any of these wrong ideas they're still fresh their minds are still fresh so it's easier for them to absorb this knowledge otherwise you'll be saying i don't agree with that i was taught like this so therefore i don't believe that yeah so therefore it takes so long just to uh, Take away your misunderstanding. So yeah, you're right. It takes a long time to remove all those things you've been brought up with. You know, all these things we have been brought up with, they, they all have the right, con they all have these concepts and ideas, but it's hard to pinpoint it. This is the problem, because nobody's told us how this relates to that concept. It's all governed by rituals and this, doing this and doing that and doing it correctly and incorrectly and that you forget why you're doing it. This is the problem. You haven't put your dhoti on properly. 
the Mara's wrong upside down. Forgotten the Mara. You know, all those things. It's in here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, I'm looking for a Mara, so I forgot why I need the Mara for. What is my reason? What's my purpose here? You see how it works? But then we're fed up. Elements of right living. What is the right way to live life? What is the right way to live life? This is discussed in the next topic. It's, it's fascinating. What is the right way to live life? We all think we know how to live life, don't we? As long as you have a house, you have a car, you have a family, you're making money, you think, yep, yeah, I'm living my life. That's not what it is, this thing. That's wrong. So that's elements of right living, the first paragraph. Vedanta knowledge enables one to live their life correctly throughout their physical, mental and intellectual personality. Enables one to think clearly. One's action is in the spirit of service. The mind has positive emotions. By continuously studying and reflecting on these truths of life, one leads a perfect life. Attached to the higher and detached from the lower aspects of life. What it allows, this is what it does for you. It teaches you how to live life. When you live life properly, you gain all the benefits of peace and happiness, which is what everyone is looking for. But we're all looking for it in the wrong place. If I marry him, I'll be happy. If I marry her, I'll be happy. If I get that, if I get that promotion, I'll be happy. It's, it doesn't work like that. But we, be, we think it does. My daughter gets married, I'll be happy. Isn't it? Saying that's not that's not that's not that's not it. It's not going to give you permanent peace and happiness. So how do we act as humans? What are the attitude? What attitude do we have while we're acting? Back to your selfish and unselfish. Whenever we function, we have an attitude of either giving or taking. I like an honest person. We act with either giving or taking. If the attitude is to take, this will increase one's selfish desires. And he will suffer from stress and strain. If the attitude is to give and be unselfish, one enjoys peace and happiness and joy. So these are the two motivations that drives a human being, giving or taking. So he's saying if you attitude is to give, you get peace and happiness. If it is to take, you're unhappy. Why is that? We've already covered this. When you say take is also a certain expectation, so you're giving your, 
you're expecting something back, and if it doesn't come back, you're upset. So you have an expectation. Have your desire is not fulfilled. Yeah. And that increases your desires. So that doesn't get fulfilled. Increases your desires. That doesn't get fulfilled. So you're agitated. So attitude of taking does what? Agitate you. Does it, is agitation's happiness? No. So the concept of an attitude of taking gives you misery. We've just this is what we just discussed. Increase your desires, you suffer. The attitude to give, then you enjoy peace and happiness. Why? It's the opposite. You're reducing your desires. You're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of how can I help others. When you're able to help someone, you feel happy. And you're reducing your desires. You're not increasing your desires. So why would we want to take? We were born selfish. <laughs> I know, we are all born selfish. That's a fact. We're all born selfish. Sacrifice is not easy. The example is not, um, I just thought of this example of, and people may have heard of it, there's a flood and there's uh, a monkey with chilled little kids, four or five little kids. And the flood, is, the water's coming and they don't know what to do, so they, they climb a tree. But the water's rising all the time. So they're panicking. So the mother, what does she do as the water rises? Takes one child, steps on it. Another child to raise herself so she doesn't get drowned. But this is selfishness. This is what we're talking about. Ultimately, we're all selfish and we'll only think of ourselves. Unless we learn to become unselfish, this is how we're born. Deep down, this is what it is. Just to save that person. Sacrifice, you'll sacrifice everything. I'd say over time they become less selfish. Not necessarily. I've met elderly people and they're still very selfish. They haven't got the knowledge. The thing is, we're, because we're born like that and because that's a natural trait, we have to put effort in to become unselfish. We have to, understand, we have to know why do you want to become unselfish. Now some people, I'm talking different levels here. Somebody may be 50% unselfish, 50% selfish. Some people may be 95% selfish and 5% unselfish. You know, it's different, people is different. There are layers, aren't there? There are layers, yes. If, if one aspect doesn't matter to me, you can have it, I've got no desire for it. And I can say, oh, you know, I'm being so unselfish, I'm giving it to you. But actually, I have no desire for it whatsoever. So that, that doesn't matter at all. Another aspect, I'll kill you to have it. <laughs> you cannot have that. I'm possessive over it. 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So when we're thinking about selfishness and unselfishness, if I have a desire for it, I will not let you have that. Comes down to likes and dislikes. Comes down to likes and dislikes. And selfishness. And attachment. There's so much to this concept. I'm just sim keeping it simple. But uh, we can spend hours on one, one of these concepts, you know, break it down in detail, but I'll bore you to death because we have to take it one step at a time. They have, um, they have desires because the fact that they're born, you're only born because you have desires. You use this life to exhaust those desires. Now, if you exhaust all your desires and not create new ones, you reach the state of enlightenment. This is the fact. You're born with this much desires and you finish them all off and you don't create new ones, you're not going to be born again because you've got no more desires. This is what the state of enlightenment is. Buddha, Christ, many great saints, they reach that state. And that's the whole process of life, is to reduce it, to eliminate it. That's why we said, God plus desires. So, if we get removed the desires, they have certain traits that they're born with. That's why even twins one can be opposite the other, and they've both been born at the same time, same parents, same milk, same environment, and they're completely different temperaments. Likes and dislikes, everything's different, because they're born with it. One could be completely unselfish, so one could be very selfish. So, attitude of unselfishness. That's what drives a human to act, either to take or to give. So we want to develop the idea of being able to give. Now, you may not physically, we, you may not even be in a position physically to give anything, but we're just saying the attitude should be there. You know, it doesn't mean you give everything away. You don't have to give anything away, but the attitude should be there. This is what they're saying. It's an internal exercise. How can I help? How can I give? My time, my wealth, whatever you're able to give. You may not have any money to give. Hair. <laughs> she's she's donating her hair. Charity. You're she's giving. The bold gang. <laughs> Sorry, don't look at you specifically. <laughs> You'll fit in well now. <laughs> This seat I'm, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> but the attitude of giving. Giving so something so precious. But now you understand that it's going to help you. So, one does not have a right to declare anything as his. One's only right is to serve. If one acts in the spirit of service, then everything you desire comes to you. You take control of your life. This is the law of life. So you, when you give, everything comes to you. That's what it's saying. You think by taking, you feel you will gain. It's the opposite. 
by serving you become a master it's hard to understand unless you experience experience it you give and you automatically gain it may not be in the same way you give 10 pounds doesn't mean you're going to get 20 pounds back it doesn't work like that and you don't say oh, you know what I'm going to try this principle let me give 10 pounds see if I get 20 pounds back it doesn't work like that either yeah it has to be done automatically the attitude must be there which needs to be developed who's, what, who's seen La Miserable movie, play, theatre, book no? you should watch that film the right version of it La Miserable Victor Hugo it says life is to give not to take the famous line in that uh, movie we watch it in the ashram, by the way, and then we discuss it. We have an hour lecture on talking about. It. We watch a lot of movies that uh, gives you that um, that has a philosophy contained, um, and um, like all the Shakespeare stuff we watch. Um, so La Miserable, La Miserable is one of the movies we watch. It talks about being unselfish. The convict. When you when you watch this film, you'll uh, understand what I'm talking about here. Huh? Do you want to give us homework to watch it? Don't watch the movie. We actually, as I said, you know, in the class we used to set it up and then watch the movie in class. Uh, when I used to go to class uh, on Sundays in St. John's Wood. And uh, then next class we used to discuss the movie. We could do that one day, it's not a problem. Uh, change things a little bit, we can watch the movie. So Victor Hugo in La Miserable says, Life is to give, not to take. There's a convict and he's escaped and he's outside he's, he's in the night and he's walking around and he there's a priest and he sees him outside his house and says what are you doing he goes i don't have anywhere to stay i don't have any food he goes come in we're just going to sit down for, for dinner it's only him living there and his maid housekeeper so the convict so the priest says go and wash and then sit down he sits down and they have dinner and the thief he sees all the silverware candlesticks knives and forks plates everything silver his eye goes onto the silver silverware they finish dinner and the priest says have you got anywhere to stay he says no tells the housekeeper set up the uh, guest room we'll put him put him in in that guest room now the, the housekeeper knows that this is going to be trouble but the priest is, he only knows unselfishness. He doesn't know any selfishness. He has no selfishness within him. He doesn't think in that way. He only thinks, let me help. So in the middle of the night, the convict goes down, takes the silverware, and leaves the house. He gets half a mile down the road, and there's police there. And they say, who are you? What are you doing? What's in that bag? They open the bag, there's all the silverware. Where did you steal this from? This looks like the priest's silverware. He recognized it. Because he must have had some logo on it. So he takes him by the collar and takes him back to the priest. Knocks on the door, open. The priest says, what's going on? What's going on? We caught this fella with this bag with all this silverware. The priest looks at him and the convict is in shame. 
And the priest says, I gave it to him. In fact, he forgot the candlesticks. He gives him the candlesticks. And the police said, oh, you gave it to him? He goes, yeah. Because I'm sorry. He apologizes to the convict and leaves. And the priest says, son, life is to give, not to take. Changes the person completely. Service and sacrifice for the rest of his life. The convict changes. So you've got to watch the movie. Not the musical version, yeah? <laughs> yeah, not the Hugh Jackman one. The older one. He becomes a saint. He goes around trying to serve and do good wherever he can. Christ said, be content to serve. That's all you need to do. So, you know, in, uh, with the Sikhs, they provide dinner um, for everybody, every Sunday, don't they? Or every day. Yeah, and they, they do it without any... Yeah. They're thinking, they're, they're trying to help people. And it makes them happy. You go there, everyone's happy making the food and everything. No selfishness. When you're selfish, it's, I did this many, how many did you do? What? You go, you, you have to catch up now. I'm not doing any more. Everyone's happy doing whatever they can. Any questions? I'm not going to cover any more because uh, there's, a, there's a lot we covered already. Think about it. Go and think about one of these concepts. See how you can put it into action. Try it out. We should go home and say, your sister, life is to give. What would you like? She'll be saying, wow, you changed. This lecture has changed you. Go and help your mum. Mum, I'm going to cook tonight. You relax, sit. We learned life is to give, not to take. Can you imagine how happy a one will be? Simple attitude. <laughs>